0: So welcome to the Everyday iRacers podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Rob. And we are Everyday iRacers, just like you. What episode is this, Josh?
1: Rob, this is episode 20. (laughs) We've done this for 20 straight weeks. It's pretty good, huh?
0: I think so. You mentioned weeks ago, like when we were on episode six or something, you were saying that only 30% of the podcasts out there make it beyond episode six. So definitely top third. Anyway, good for us. Yeah.
1: Indy Indy 500.
0: You ran it, I ran it, how'd it go? It was a lot of fun. It was fun getting ready for it. Kind of felt like it was a bit of a special week on the service. So when you say getting ready, you know, normally
1: we would run a bunch of races the week before, getting ready for the Indy 500 fix was pretty different.
0: I basically just spent the week trying to get our qualifying time down. So I didn't really do a lot of practice going into the big race, but I had a fair amount of four lap attempts, just not much practice with traffic on the circuit with me.
1: Which is fine, but it doesn't get you ready to run the race with 32 other cars. Absolutely does not. I felt is the term woefully unprepared to be out on the track with a bunch of other cars.
0: I think that's a very accurate description and that was how I felt going into it.
1: I think everybody did, honestly, because if you've run the Indy 500 before or if you've run you know, a 25-lap race at the Indy track. That's so far in the past that, you know, everyone was rusty. So I really wish that they had put some kind of fixed race or something so we could all just kind of warm up a little bit throughout the week.
0: And I was a bit surprised that there were not more hosted races that people like you and I would throw up saying, hey, let's put up like a Indianapolis race expires in 30 minutes, right? Who's going to join? There were a few of them up there. There was one guy who had them up all week, but I would have expected there to be more of them floating around.
1: So I wonder, is the open Indy 500 the big one? And we were both doing this for the first time and just kind of figuring this out?
0: I think we were just really keen Oh, Indianapolis 500, and then we just jumped all over it. But my impression is that the big one is the open one, Now, furthermore, I had to go back and dig through the archives of the VRS subscription service that we have to find a bit of input on, you know, what to do with the weight jackers and the different settings, because I had no idea how to drive those cars. I don't drive them on a regular basis. So I really did go into it pretty blind, but I figured out sort of what the go-to setup was, you know, like a 510 thing or whatever, and that's what I ran with. But what I really enjoyed about it was I had a really great experience getting ready for the Indianapolis 500. So it was literally the last session before the race. I did mine the first split. So I thought I would try and get one last qualifying in at the bottom of the hour, but they didn't have that qualifier. The last one was like an hour and a half before the race. So a bunch of us were in the practice session and this guy just sort of said in the voice chat, Hey guys, I'm kind of a pro. Anybody has any questions, just, you know, pipe up. So I pushed my button and was like, yeah, what do you do with the setup here or the setup there or whatever? I forget what my question was. And then he came on the voice and he started answering the questions and then everybody piped in and everybody was asking him questions about the race and about setups and pit strategy and everything. And he was succinct in giving his answers. I keep saying his, his name was Stefan Remedy. He's a Canadian racer. I Googled him. I don't know what series he's in right now, but I think a number of years ago, he was doing a a lot of the sort of the the pro indie circuit kind of thing. I think he's like a 4,000 K racer. Anyway, bottom line is whether he was a pro or whatever, super helpful guy and just wanting to help everybody and everybody in the whole practice session was like, Hey, Stefan, thanks a lot. It was great information. I never would have picked up this knowledge anywhere else. Really appreciate you sharing, you know, best of luck in your race. And it was just a really good, solid community racing experience.
1: It's really cool. And you guys sort of had that in isolation. I, I'm, you know. I'm like, oh, man, that would have been great. I would have. You're jealous. (laughs) Jealous, I guess, is kind of the word. You know, you had to be there, right? I wish there had been a thread on Reddit or somewhere that a lot of people would benefit from because, listen, let's let's get everybody sort of up to a baseline Mm -hmm. and then enjoy the race. Right. So I kind of felt, like I said, unprepared. And I think (laughs) a lot of people in my split, I was kind of in a mid split because I set a decent qualifying time which was determined in hundreds and thousands, right? It was so close. and all. Yeah, I was hunting times. your
0: time all week long, and I couldn't get there.
1: And we were, what, within eight hundreds of each other? But yeah, there were a lot of people in my split that just seemed like they were as sort of lost as mm-hmm. I was. And uh, yeah, it was kind of disappointing. Someone called it like the caution 500.
0: Yeah, so tell me about your race. Yeah, my race. Well,
1: I did two of them. And the first one, I think I got to lap 25 before um, someone took me out. I don't know. They might see it differently, but (laughs) on the replay, they took me out. And then I said, all right, you know, walked away for a while and came back. There was one more scheduled that Saturday and did a second one. And I think I made it to lap 18 and net code. And I always hear people talk about net code. They say, oh man, net code got me. I watched the replay. We were two feet apart, like really far and I got taken out by netcode. And it was one of those weird things. I know it was netcode because we didn't touch, but I also know it was netcode because pieces of his car fell off, his wheel was flipping around. And then about 50 feet down the track, his car magically like a transformer robot just kind of put itself back together. And he sent me into the wall and his car transformed itself back into 100% fixed and took off. So that's net code. My computer disagreed with his computer and
0: I got hit into the wall for it. When that happened, was somebody like moving towards the other guy or like were you guys just side by side? We
1: were just kind of side by. He was aggressively kind of underneath me in turn one. Wasn't really necessary in lap 18, but yeah. he did. And uh, he kind of shoveled me up into the wall. <laughs> but again, without ever touching me.
0: There's bitterness there there there's jealousy there
1: <laughs> yeah so i got to go mow the lawn super exciting instead of you know i got 18 laps instead of 200 but you got almost the
0: full almost to the end um pretty disappointed like you say went into it pretty blind i struggled a lot in the qualifying like let's say i tried eight times and i think i slammed it into the wall six of those times so the idea of doing 200 laps was, you know, a bit of a stretch. But come race day, we held it together and just decided to stay pretty cautious about it. Made it to lap 164, I think, before totally my own mistake. Just went into turn one a little too fast, didn't have the grip and slid up just- and tagged the wall. And that was it. Mm. And I was all by myself. But I was on the lead lap, P7. The vast majority of the field was already gone. I think there were 16 left or something. Half the field had already checked out. You know, I was there on the lead lap, the lead lap, right? You know, and I wasn't worried about being seventh because I thought, hey, if there's like a a late caution or something that everyone's going to get bunched up and then, hey, it's anybody's anybody's race. But, you know, surprised that people are as racy as they are. You know, It, it doesn't matter how much people talk about it on the mic before the race you know experienced guys are saying like everybody you know this race does not happen for the first 150 laps the race is the last 50 laps just take it easy but oh no everyone's got to start getting in low on all the corners Mm -hmm. and going for that early pass and you know i think it took us over an hour to get 20 laps under our belt or something caution yellow flag yellow flags but it was fun and i almost made it that's awesome
1: yeah it's exactly what you're saying we had the same problem I, i was just racing and all of a sudden it's crew chief saying in my ear three wide you're in the middle i'm like guys we're on lap seven come on i promise none of us are that experienced at this track in a fixed setup that that you should be pushing me three wide you know they came up from behind okay you're faster wait till the straightaway don't go three wide and turn one you know in lap seven yeah i was a little bit irritated by that like you're saying it's a long race
0: well i love your openness with your emotions on all this your jealousy your bitterness yeah man (laughs) it's great i've moved on Well, I'm really glad that I did it and it was a great experience. I like the qualifying throughout the week kind of made the whole thing a little more of an event. I like the idea that we were not just getting slotted into the race according to our IR, which is what happens for all the endurance races. I'm just a regular old everyday IR racer, but if I was really good, I could get myself in that top split and go for the the big win, you know? It was open to everybody. But I think I qualified like one thousandth of 1,500 or something like that. But I'm curious to see how many people are going to be doing the open versus the fixed. So other stuff was going on, though. There was a lot going on in iRacing this week. And I always start the week off with big, wide eyes. Eyes are bigger than the tummy a lot of (laughs) (laughs) times, right? But uh, this week, I managed to chip away at a whole bunch of stuff. So It's funny. I did
1: too. Yeah. Mid-Ohio was on the list. So neither one of us knew Mid-Ohio before this week. We hadn't even bought it.
0: And I wish we had a little recording because I think I was chatting with you on Discord on Monday night when we sat down to just give Mid-Ohio our first pass through, right? Do a few laps, see what it's like. And I remember looking at the track map as it was loading. And I was saying, oh, my goodness, this looks like a really easy course. Like, finally, nothing that's going to take forever to learn, right? Like it's a, hey, no big deal. I was like, there's nine turns or something, right? Like, how hard can this be? Oh, my goodness. It was wrong. Really technical course. Well,
1: and, and there's rolling sort of off camber. There's hills that you're cresting as you're turning, and you have to watch the rear ends, you know, sweeping out behind you and all you know all these kinds of things. and LMPs flying around. It was fun. It's a rhythm track. It's not it's not mm-hmm. a silverstone or something like that where. Or-
0: It's technical. It was hard for me to learn. I had a good
1: time. I was able to get through it without that many X's from touching the grass. And if you touch the grass, you're just, you're just off. You slide and it's it's kind of like Virginia International Raceway or VIR, where you just slide off into the grass if you touch it. I ran two races there and I did okay. Didn't
0: set the world on fire. Well, I spent Monday sort of getting acquainted. Tuesday night, did a few more laps, started to come together a little bit. Still wasn't ready. I didn't get around to a race until Thursday night where I felt, okay, I've got the Indianapolis this weekend. I put the time in. I need to get in there and race. So you and I jumped in the race together, right? I went and did it. Nothing special. Got punted around a little bit, but got it under my belt. It was fun to do, but I'm looking at that track now with wide eyes and appreciation for how difficult it is because it's a tough track but can I just put another little plug in against the LMP2, my my weekly rant? (laughs) Go, let's hear it. Episode 20, rant 20. I love racing the GTE cars, but I'm growing tired of just getting punted off by the LMP2s. At the beginning of the race, they come on the radio and they're like, GTE drivers, just hold your line. It's our responsibility to go around, but it never happens. You know, if there's 12 of them up there, they're Three or four of them are racing like their life depends on it. And they just try and get that apex on you, right? And you're looking at them in the mirror and you're like, I'm going to go wide so that they can come in. Anyway,
1: we talk about LMPs a lot. And when I drive an LMP from time to time, I enjoy it. But it's not often it's the first, second or third guy punting you off. It's usually like seventh or twelfth punting you off with sort of no remorse. There's never, and, and I'm always big on this, there's never someone coming on the radio saying, oh, geez, Rob so sorry. I, th- I thought I had that apex. <laughs> it's
0: literally like silence. Total they- silence. I think I made a comment. Hey, was that really appropriate? And uh, radio silence. But in closing, I don't want to jump around too much on our, you know, some of our topics here. But I'm really excited about an upcoming race series at the beginning of next season. And there is an LMP2 prototype challenge. So all of the LMP2 drivers can just fight among themselves and not have to worry about getting around all of us slow gte drivers and they can fight for their own championship and i wonder if that's going to take some of them out of the imsa field
1: i don't know but i'm definitely going to run that series if it's at a track that i know because i do like the lmp car i just don't love the multi-class speaking of gtes Silverstone. The uh, European Sprint Series was at Silverstone. You and I both spent some time there, ran an official race together, which was fun. I think there were only eight GTEs in that race and five or six LMPs, so they weren't a factor. Had some good battles. You and I and two other guys kind of nose to tail trading spots around Silverstone for quite a while.
0: Yeah, it was excellent fun. I spent a little bit of time throughout the week playing around with my VR headset. And most of the driving I was doing in VR this week, just trying to get settings right and stuff, was at Silverstone. That was sort of my practice leading up to it. You were like, hey, I'm gonna do this race in 15 minutes. I saw it on Discord, so I ran down and fired up the rig, and we jumped into the race together. Not only did we learn Mid-Ohio, and we did Indianapolis and stuff, but we got back to Silverstone, which we both really, really like. And you're right, it was not a busy race. I think there were eight GTE drivers, and I finished eighth. I lost a lot of IR, but it was good fun and good racing with you.
1: I finished that one in fourth, so I was pretty proud of that. Not too far behind the guy right in front of me. And it set me up because I had planned the whole time to do the GTE Endurance. For me, it's Sunday morning, and I just love racing at Silverstone. I've totally internalized Silverstone. It takes me just three or four laps to kind of get up to speed any given week. Did you do the 90-minute race? Yeah, I did the 90-minute. I started qualifying late, touched the grass, and ended up starting 29th out of 39. But that gave me the opportunity to fight my way up through the field. And I finished in seventh. Nice one. Just three seconds behind sixth place. So fought my way up, you know, 23 spots. Yeah, had so much fun. And it was interesting. So I didn't want to come on the radio and say, hey, guys, we taking tires or not? And so I wasn't sure. And so I used my new race lab overlay, pulled in the pits. And as I'm sitting there getting, you know, 50 liters of fuel, saw that my fronts were at 60 percent. My rears were at 80. And I said, you know what? clicked on my mouse took two front tires thought it was brilliant i was like oh i've cut my pit stop in half from what it could have been go back on the track and do you know the word endo on like a bmx bike you can kind of do an endo where you squeeze the front brakes and pop up and you know just on the front wheel i was essentially doing an endo (laughs) in my car because all of a sudden i've got these super grippy front wheels as i'm going around like that first chicane right turn and my car just looped around on me note to self if you're going to take tires, take all four unless you're incredibly experienced because your back ones are going to slide around on you. Now, two or three laps later, it paid off. And all of a sudden, unlike everyone else that didn't take any tires, I have no understeer. And so I'm just sliding through the S's and I was picking up like five or six seconds a lap on the guy's oh. in front of me. So longer pit stop, more than made up for it by the the grippy front tires. And everyone else is just sliding all over the place, except for the very few that took all four tires. So on a handful of tracks with this new GTE tire model, take tires in that 90 minute race,
0: 60 minute race, tough it out. 90 minute race, take Mm -hmm. tires. Good fun. Yeah. So that was my week, you know, went into it with big ambitions, but managed to pull it all off, you know, learned a new track, did the Indianapolis and got to hang out at Silverstone and do a race with you there too.
1: So you mentioned new fixed series. Mm-hmm. There's the LMP fixed series, a couple others, right?
0: Yeah, there's a Formula V series, which is going to be a free car and a rookie class series.
1: Slower than the Skippy. I think so. It's like a junior Skippy.
0: I think so. And it's sort of the, the beginning of the ladder for those open wheel cars. So yeah. that'll be very popular, I'm sure. My guess is that means you can progress out of, out of your rookie class, not just by doing masses, but by doing Formula V as well, one or the other. There's a F3 fixed series, and I think it's just going to stagger it with the F3 open every hour. So you can do the fixed one hour and then the open the next hour. So that very well may make that whole series more popular.
1: Yeah, because they've done that same thing with VRS this season where they have the VRS fixed and then the normal VRS sprint. Yep sort of a new model that they seem to be uh, implementing for different popular cars.
0: And then my favorite, the LMP2 prototype challenge. Okay. Hoping it's going to be super popular. Everyone's going to really <laughs> gravitate to that. All the LMP2 drivers, right?
1: Yeah, I'll be there. You're not worried about me. You could care less if I'm doing it. You want all the LMPs. You want like a magnet to pull them out of the uh, IMSA.
0: I don't know much about it, but there's World Vote Laws 410 Sprint series as well.
1: Well, and there's something else. So they've confirmed there's going to be eight cars on track. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that. It used to be six. And then for, I guess, the last couple of years, it's been seven. Now there's eight. So uh, is it cause for celebrating in the streets? No, but it shows progress, right? That the, the SIM is moving forward, that the, the hardware that people are using is moving forward and they feel, all right, we can unlock another car. It's also nice because that new 911 GT3 that's coming out isn't necessarily going to push another car off the track like the BMW Z4 got kind of bumped. So yeah, I think it'd be good to have eight cars out there. They still have the Ford on there? The Ford is still out there. I don't know. saw someone racing the Ford. They beat me pretty bad in the Ford (laughs) at that European Sprint Series that we did. A little bit of hardware talk? Yeah, let's talk hardware. You had a pretty exciting week. I'm kind of sitting here with a big grin on my face. I got the 3080 that I've been hunting since September. And uh, thanks to one of our listeners sort of pointing me in the right direction to to check uh, stock drops. I uh, was able to get a 3080. Yeah, I think it's everything I hoped it would be. I have iRacing. I'm still running on 1080p triples, but I have every single setting on the highest, and I'm still getting somewhere between 120 to 165 frames. I have 165 hertz monitors. I could lock it at 165 if I turned down just a couple settings, but I'm, I'm kind of being greedy about it right now. And I haven't overclocked my graphics card that aggressively yet, so, you know, see what I can get out of it. But yeah, it's, every, it's kind of everything I hope for.
0: And you haven't hooked it up to a 1440 monitor yet, right?
1: I know that's your big question. Can a 3080 drive a 1440 resolution with a lot of the settings enabled? I only have one 1440 monitor, so I'll be able to kind of see what it looks like from a visual perspective, not necessarily from a frame rate sort of triples
0: perspective. That's what I'm interested in. Does the grass look better?
1: I'm sure everything's just crisper, cleaner. I'll try that in the next couple of days, kind of report back next week on that.
0: Yeah, I'd really like to hear about that.
1: This week you said you spent a lot of time in VR. I know that you got your eyepieces in.
0: You know, what's what's the update on your VR journey? (laughs) I really want to like it. And I do have those prescription eyepieces. They make a big difference. I'm glad I got them. They're kind of essential if you're wearing glasses and you can't fit glasses inside. I like wearing the headset. I mean, just being inside the car and everything. It's just really cool. The immersion is really, really neat. I don't think that it really makes it more difficult to drive or anything. So I like it. The headsets that we have kind of cap out at 90 FPS. And at 90 Hertz, I'm totally fine. I don't find there's any sort of dizziness and all that kind of stuff. When I was playing around with the settings, at one point I was sort of hitting 60 Hertz and I can see it right away that that would make me dizzy. So there's a difference between 60 and 90 Hertz, at least for me on that sort of dizziness factor. But 90 Hertz, totally fine. So generally speaking, I'm really happy with it, but it's not as crisp and clear as I want it to be. And I'm not talking about the sweet spot that you know everyone talks about, You know, there's this small little sweet spot in the middle of your vision that is really clear and then gets blurry on the outside. Kind of okay with that, at least I think I will be, but it's a little jaggedy, it's a little wavy. And I don't know if it's my lack of GPU power or if it's the settings I don't have it right, or if it's just that's as good as it gets. So I'm gonna do some inquiry this week with some other people on some discord channels that are quite experienced with the HP G2 Reverb headset. And I think that, you know, the guy I wanna ask also has a 3080, I think he's got it all dialed in nicely. So uh, he'll be a good baseline to be, no, that's as good as it gets, you know, but I'm on a 1080 TI and I overclocked it a bit this week for the first time to see if that had an impact. I went through like a posting on uh, the iRacing forum and the guy had a really detailed outline of all the different settings, what they all mean, how you should set it up, both the Steam VR settings and the iRacing settings. I went through all of that, didn't have any impact. So... I'm really looking for you to uh, spend a couple of hours tinkering with your settings, going through the same process with all of your horsepower there to see if you're like, okay, wow, that really sharpened things up.
1: Well, and and it's interesting you say that because that was the biggest change with the 3080 just in iRacing. Like I said, everything is on high now, but I changed the anti-aliasing from 4X to 8X and all of a sudden everything is just crisper and cleaner and there's no jaggedy lines anywhere out in the distance. So I'm assuming that you know a 3080 will kind of be able to do that same thing in VR to some degree is it enough I I guess we'll find out and I had gone through that Mm. same iRacing forum post with the 2070 super what six weeks ago and so I'll have to kind of revisit all of those settings and I'll be very curious since I've had the before and after It'll be interesting to find out because that GT Reverb is a 4K resolution, right? For each eye or maybe combined it's 4K, but people refer to it as a 4K. Should be pretty good if you can dial it in. Yep,
0: there's just this waviness that bugs me a bit, you know? That shimmery I, off looked, in the distance. It's a little bit of a shimmer in the distance, Yeah. And, uh, and when I take it off and I just go to my 1080p monitor and I go into iRacing, I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. So there's something's amiss. When my 1080p monitor looks better than... What I'm seeing in my headset, I kind of want the headset to look better. But nevertheless, even though you kind of get that shimmer, the immersion factor is almost enough to get me doing it like full time. (laughs) So it's pretty good. I mean, I have some tinkering I need to do and figure out like how to keep my Alt K boxes where I want them and all that kind of stuff. I don't have some of that stuff figured out, but ah, it's just pretty cool being in the car
1: and the the test will be when there comes a week where you're doing all your practice and all your races in vr that's that's when we know that rob has moved into the vr world Mm -hmm. full tilt so i hope i hope it's possible i hope that vr is everything that we think and wish it was and then we don't find out that's just how it is
0: (laughs) well you're the you're the guy with the horsepower you're my guinea pig fair enough transducers
1: you have a butt kicker i've got two butt kickers one is not enough. You've ordered a whole bunch more.
0: I've got four on the way.
1: <laughs> so they're not the full-size butt kicker gamer two. You're more. You're getting some localized ones.
0: I bought them used. I forget what they're called. LFI lights or something like that. They look like they're the exact same sort of mechanism that's in the butt kicker gamer two. It's same size piston and everything. So it's the same unit. It just doesn't have like the bracket and such that you would attach to a seat. So. He had four of them and I got basically four for the price of a butt kicker, you know, so it was like, hey, why not? So now I'm going to be able to kind of get a little more variety in some of the inputs that I'm getting, but they're, they're just awesome. Like people need to talk more about the transducers because if you don't have a transducer and you really like sim racing, if you can just find one, use, or just figure out how to get even just one on your seat. It doesn't need to be a great big one, just anything at all. I started with these little pucks, right? They're awesome. Like they really, really add to the immersion.
1: So this week while I was racing, I think you and I were in the same race and I said, Oh no. And you said, what happened? I said, my butt kickers stopped working. They, you know, I'd accidentally had them up too hot and the amp kind of conked out and cooled down and came back online. But it's been a while since that happened. And it really drove home the stark difference between having that butt kicker, those transducers running and then not running. And we talked about it (laughs) during the race for like five (laughs) minutes. And I think it's one of those things where you're talking to someone who's into sim racing, you're like, oh, you should get a transducer. And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just kind of pacifying you. It is the single biggest Thing that makes a difference when I'm out here, I, you know, do I need a direct drive wheel? No, I'd be great with a belt driven wheel. Like, you know, almost the same effect. Wind sim, you know, it's fun, but it's it doesn't completely change the experience. Transducer completely changes the experience of sim racing. Yeah, I'm trying to think what it's like. It's like going to a movie theater and instead of having surround sound all around you and you know subwoofers kind of rattling your seat in this movie theater, it's like if you just went and watched it in mono. You know, it's just like this flat sort of, Yeah. Uh, you know, you're still watching a movie, but there's no surround sound. It's not even stereo. It's like, it just adds this texture
0: to everything that you're doing on that track that you can't replace. And when you lose it in the middle of a race, you feel like you're sort of driving naked. Oh. You feel like it's, you feel like, you know what, this is kind of
1: boring. Yeah, that's it. All of a sudden the race is just, ugh. I don't know. I'm just, now I'm driving a toy car on a toy track with a toy steering wheel.
0: That's what it kind of feels like. And I I like it with the VR headset because, you know, you were so immersed, right? You're in the car. Yep. And then you have this transducer going and you feel like you get in the car and the ignition comes on and you're in the pits and it rumbles and you're like, wow, this is really cool. This is like super immersive.
1: There's that initial gee whiz of having it for the first couple of days. And then it just continues. Like I still kind of love shifting because you get that kick when you shift but it it adds so much to the experience. I can't say this enough. You and I cannot say this enough. Go watch Will and Boosted Media or some of these, you know, some of these other guys that have sort of done videos on on transducers or butt kickers. And if someone's listening and they say, "I'm just using an office chair for my sim racing." I don't care. Save your pennies, <laughs> attach a butt kicker game or two or whatever other brand is out there to that office chair, if that's what you're using. If you have a SIM rig, you will find a way to mount it to your SIM rig. I don't care if it's a home built or an 80-20 or anything in between, do yourself a favor, save your money over the next couple of months and go and get a transducer. I'll stop now. Yeah,
0: put it on the Christmas list.
1: Yep. You owe it to yourself as an amateur SIM racer. <laughs> I'm Obviously, I'm wound up about this, but I, I feel so strongly about this. And I know you do too. You've got you
0: used to have eight. Yeah, eight of the little pucks, right? right. Let's keep it all into perspective. Right? Fair enough. But now I've got four of these pretty big ones coming. Yep. So um my my goal here was to take these four and then, you know, box up the one butt kicker and I say keep the
1: butt kicker as your motor and then put the others out at the thing.
0: Yeah. One pace for the other kind of, right? I yeah. hear you. Can we just talk about one other little piece? I don't know how much we talked about it in a previous week, but kind of along the line of immersion and butt kickers or transducers are these wind sims.
1: It's funny. I was in a race and there was a very friendly gent who was just kind of talking to everybody like, hey, how's it going tonight? You know, like, and he said, Does anyone have one of these wind sims? He said, I hear they blow, you know, like strong wind and it feels immersive. And I didn't want to be too obnoxious, but I clicked in. I said, actually, I do have one of those. Of course you did. He said, What do you think? And I I didn't want to oversell it. We're you know, we're kind of at the start line, we're about to take off. And I was like, I don't want to get into my pitch here, but I wanted to tell everybody this is amazing. (laughs) Did you give it a pitch? A little (laughs) bit of a gentle pitch, you know, we had about a minute and a half, but you're thinking of getting one. You've been kind of stalking the website. Uh, I was
0: today. You know, I just kind of figure I'm into this deep enough now. (laughs) Like, Well, you have one and uh, one of our teammates, Lee, he has one too, and he was raving about it. And you were like, hey, this is great it is
1: and and my big question was is this going to be powerful enough to make a difference like in terms of the amount of wind it's going to mm. blow you know what i run mine at 10 percent, wow i mean running it at 100 just blows your hair back it's like literally sticking your head out the window of a car or something like that 10 percent is still like more than you need to feel it is fully immersed
0: <laughs> yeah so for me when you guys were originally talking about it and i was kind of like yeah I don't really need a wind sim, right? It was the same thing with gloves, shoes, seatbelts. How about
1: a fake seatbelt?
0: <laughs> I yeah. love it. You do, eh?
1: Love my fake seatbelt. You can see yeah. it right there on the camera.
0: For the wind sim, I was thinking, "Oh, it's just going to dry my eyes out and does it really add that much immersion to it?" And then you were saying, "Oh, it's fantastic." And then today I was just flipping through YouTube and doing a little bit of research on it and was watching a video with Barry Rowland. He yep. was talking about it and he was like, man, I got to tell you, I was not expecting it to really add to the immersion, but it really, really adds to the immersion. Hi, I'm Barry Rowland. Sorry. Exactly, right? <laughs> I'd like to have a chat with Barry, Barry on this podcast. But he was talking about how it really adds to the immersion. And I have to think that when you have a VR headset on, with your rig vibrating with transducers and you have like a wind sim blowing wind on you, depending on how fast you're going, that that would really add big time to the immersion. Well, that's what I'm banking on. That's what I'm kind of toying with now. It's what I'm yep. pseudo excited about. it.
1: And and I know that there's all kinds of motion rigs and all this, and it gets into thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. euros, whatever, pretty quickly. There's pros and cons to all of these things. I think some of those motion rigs, they sound amazing at first and you know maybe it's not moving your monitor. So you're, moving and that can get complicated but very cost effective to get transducer and wind sim and just kind of say okay i'm good right yes you can continue to save up for all kinds of other motion things but that is a good start i'm very happy and have continued to be happy for months with the transducers and now with the wind sim so put those in the sort of the the must-have of the cool immersive type things and i would say this if i were to put a ranking on on these two items in terms of you know must have you know from an immersion perspective um i would give the butt kicker a nine out of ten and i think it's much more accessible like i said you can attach the the butt kicker game or two is designed to be attached to an office chair mm-hmm. the win sim i would probably give it a six out of ten mm. in terms of sort of must have very cool that's not i'm not saying it's a six out of ten in um rate rating but i'm just saying In terms of things that you should spend your money on, if you want to be fully immersed in your your SIM rig, go out and get the transducer and then save your pennies after that for the wind sim. Don't get the wind sim first.
0: Now, are they noisy, the wind sim?
1: I've got a headset on. I think it's pretty noisy. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're sharing, uh, you know, an office with somebody and your SIM rig's in the corner. Not going to work. Probably not. Mm -hmm. If you're able to find a closet or a basement or whatever it is that you're sort of tucked away with your SIM rig, then you're fine. Cool.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I'll sit and suffer about it for a few weeks, watch a few hours of videos on it, and uh, ask you the same question three or four times over before, I'm <laughs> like I usually do. Okay. Anyway. That's, that's all I have for sort of hardware rig stuff, but I'm uh, looking forward to uh, hearing how you do on your VR headset with your new 3080. It's my closing plug there to uh, to put that yeah. on your agenda for the week. I'll get into it this week. So that's a wrap for our episode 20. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you hit that follow button wherever you happen to be listening to us.
1: If you want to reach out and connect with us, you can send us an email, everydayiracers at gmail.com. So we hope to see you next week on the podcast. And in the meantime, we'll see you on the track.